Thank you for joining us for this podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. The following was recorded live on location in Bourbonnais, Illinois. So I think I kind of like this story. I mean, it's kind of fun. Um, and to be quite honest with you, I wasn't super familiar with this story before this week. I mean, I think I read it back in like Bible quizzing days, but I've washed that out of my memory as best as I could uh, for trauma reasons. Uh, I'm kidding. And uh, so when I was studying it, I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. I mean, I knew that like Jesus had appeared on a road to two people, and that's kind of all I really knew and cared to think about at that time. Uh, but as I read it this week, and I probably read it for multiple dozen times, it kind of became one of my new favorite stories. Um, I don't know if this happens to a lot of preachers, but anytime I prepare a sermon on a story of Jesus, that becomes my new favorite story. Um, I don't know if that's just because I don't want like a week's worth of work to go to waste for 20 minutes, <laughs> uh, or if it's just uh, a grace of God uh, to in, uh, instill passion and excitement to wholesomely and fervently preach his word to his people. And so like a year ago, I preached on John 21 and the reinstatement of Peter. And that story will always have a near and dear place to my heart. It's an awesome story of the unconditional and consistent and persistent and pursuing love of God. I love that story. And this story is becoming a new favorite. And my goal today, I think, is for it to be your favorite by the time I'm done. But I think I'm not even going to ask at the end if that happened. Uh, I don't want to be disappointed. Uh, so what did we read earlier? We read that two followers of Jesus are on the road to Emmaus, this village. And we only get one of their names. Uh, and I was about to do some research on why, but I think at least one of the reasons is they're probably not the most important person in the story. And so we know that one of them's Cleopas, but we really know that Jesus is there. And that's the reason this story is super significant to us. And it's Resurrection Sunday. And they had just been with the other apostles and other followers when the women got back from the tomb. And as we talked about last week, the vibe from the apostles and the other followers were when the women got back and told about the angels and the resurrection, there was disbelief amongst them. And let's be honest, I think Peter and John didn't really run to the tomb in excitement. I think they ran out of disbelief of this unbelievable story. And so these two followers are on this road, and Jesus kind of appears. It's going to be a seven-mile trip, and seven miles is 11 kilometers for anyone outside of the U.S., um, 11 kilometers away, and Jesus just kind of descends on them. I kind of picture it, him just walking up behind them. They wouldn't have known, but this swoop-in moment, Jesus gets there, and they can't recognize him. To them, he's a stranger, and they're talking, and they're kind of downcast, in this interaction. And Jesus hilariously asked them, what are you talking about? And the two, stranger, the two turn to the stranger and they respond, are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened this week? And Jesus, being a little trickster, kind of goes, no, what happened? And then this exchange unfolds where Jesus hears them tell them about what happened to him. And this whole last week as I read this, this video I had seen a couple years ago kept playing over and over in my head, and I think it'll paint our time together well. Watch this. 
So tonight, we're diving in right where we left off. Last week was awesome. Yeah. We're in Matthew 26, which begins what we all know, Jesus' betrayal and ultimately his death. Um, wait, hold on, what? Jesus dies. Jesus dies? We've been talking about this for 2,000 years now. Wait, like the Jesus, like, like this Jesus, like my favorite character, Jesus. This guy dies. How does he die? Pretty common knowledge. Well, it's not common knowledge for me. I just started season two. Season two? Is he, is he talking about the New Testament? Well, how does, he, how does he die? Who betrays him? Who would betray him? It was one of his disciples. Don't tell me it was Judas. It was Judas. 30 silver coins. Well, he comes back to life. He comes back to life? <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's not take his name in vain. This book is nuts. This is an emotional roller coaster, man. This is better than Jack Reacher. Have you ever read Jack Reacher? It's really good. It's out of the light. You should check it out. It's really good. I'm ready, man. Okay, Matthew. I have an unspoken for later on as well, but that's not important. All right, Matthew 26, everyone. Um, like I said, <clears throat> Jesus is just about to die. Yeah. Oh, I love the unspoken prayer request part. Nothing brings me back to Sunday school more. Speaking of, don't forget to fill out Connect cards <laughs> and fill out your prayer requests. Um, and please just don't write unspoken. <laughs> uh, staff meeting gets really boring <laughs> if we're just lifting up unspoken the entire time. Uh, but please do that. So I just picture Jesus listening to them tell him them like tell him his story, and I see and I just picture excitement and passion. They sit there and go, "So Jesus was this man who we thought was from God." And he's like, "Oh, cool. That's kind of awesome." And they're like, "Yeah." And so we kind of thought he was going to be the redeemer of Israel. And he's like, "Well, of course you did. I mean, this guy seems awesome." And like, "Yeah, we thought so too." But then he kind of dies, and Jesus goes. He dies, just kind of interacting with them. And let me be clear, I don't think Jesus is being condescending in this interaction. I think he kind of has that excitement that a father has when they pick up their kid from school that day. It's like, what did you learn about? Oh, I learned that caterpillars turn to butterflies. They do? Tell me about it. I don't think it's condescending. I think it's enduring. I mean, we like to care about what the people we care about care about. And so this interaction's pretty fun, but it kind of takes a turn. So the two followers, they're telling the story, and then they talk about how some of their women went to the tomb but couldn't find Jesus' body. And what's even more crazy is that the women claim that angels had, been, had appeared saying that Jesus was not dead, but he was alive. And I'm sure this is where Jesus goes. He comes back to life? That's crazy. And they're like, yeah, some of us went to the tomb to check it out ourselves and see if the, what the women had said was true. But, and verse 24 says this, they didn't see Jesus. A statement of probably disbelief. And that's where the conversation takes a turn. The two followers have been doing so well telling the stranger what had happened to Jesus. But this is where their story and the real story differ. See, they retold the story of Jesus almost perfectly. Prophet, yes. Spoke the word of God with conviction, yes. Performed miracles in God's name, yes. Life of Jesus, perfect. Death, awesome. They nailed it. Well, pun intended. 
Um, oh, oh, I'm going to have to account for that one one day. But when it comes to the resurrection story, this is where they faltered. And Jesus let them know it. In verse 25 and 26, he goes, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And in an act of grace and compassion for his followers, which I don't think are few and far between, by the way, Jesus then takes the rest of the journey, the rest of that seven miles, to talk about the overarching story of Scripture He talks about Moses, the prophets, and everything that they would have already known, all the prophecies there, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of the Messiah. And he wanted to make sure that they knew what the women had said was true. Yes, the tomb was empty. That was true. But what the angel said to the women was just as true. He is not here. He has risen. He is risen. The tomb wasn't empty, it was abandoned. It wasn't just empty, it was evacuated. Death had been conquered and he wanted to make sure that they knew what the women had said was true. This wasn't an accident to Jesus. This was a part of a master plan that wasn't part of some mishap or miscue or accident, but this was an accentuation of his love that God had been forming since Genesis. And he wanted them to know it's true. He is risen So that's how most of the walk to Emmaus goes. Jesus telling the two followers about the prophecies and they don't know who he is really. And the story gets better. So they get to the village and Jesus continues to keep walking as if he has somewhere else to go. But the two followers won't have it. They're not gonna let this new friend of theirs leave. And so Luke says they urge him strongly to stay with them that evening And of course, Jesus accepts the invitation from his followers. And I'm sure that's a whole other sermon another time. Jesus allows his followers to host him. But what happens next is my favorite part. And this is where the story gets really good. These two followers are hosting Jesus. And as they're sitting at this table, Jesus, who is the guest, he takes the bread He gives thanks, he breaks it and serves them. And it's in that moment that their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And I wanna pause here for a moment because this is important. I don't want us to miss this. Jesus is the guest. He is the one being hosted. They invited him to stay with them. He's the guest. And as they are sitting at the table, probably ready to serve Jesus or the stranger had become this new friend to them. As they're getting ready to serve him, Jesus takes the bread. He gives thanks. He breaks it. And it's when Jesus does something he had done just three days prior. That's when their eyes were opened and they were gifted with the ability to see their resurrected Savior. When did they see Jesus? It was in the hosting of a stranger, in the breaking of bread, that their eyes were opened to him. So the age-old question uh, for scripture reading, especially when you're reading a story of Jesus, is, is this story descriptive or prescriptive? Descriptive being, do we get to sit back, watch, and go, good job, Jesus, that was awesome? Glad we could see that? Or is this prescriptive? Is this something that we're asked to embody and take part of and let form us and shape us in our day-to-day? And my hunch is that it's prescriptive. I think this needs to shape us and to form us. 
And even though this is a cruel interaction, a great story amongst these two followers in Jesus, I think it's for us too. So let's go over what happened. Two followers of Jesus are walking and talking about Jesus. Does this still happen today? Do the people of God gather to talk about Jesus? Yes. As the followers are walking, Jesus appears and walks with them. Does Jesus still walk with us today? What's a prayerful life supposed to be doing? And as the followers are walking with Jesus, he begins to tell them about the overarching story of Scripture. Do we, get to, do we still get to read and hear about Jesus today? Now, this one might get a little bit trickier. We read that the followers then hosted Jesus. Do we get to host Jesus? And I remember a story, I think, in Matthew 25, where Jesus talks about our hospitality and hosting of a couple groups of people. And it's going to be in that hosting, in that hospitality, that if we are welcoming others, then maybe we'll be welcomed as well. And it sounds like maybe our hospitality has a lot more at stake with it than we like to admit sometimes. And then Jesus sits at a table with them and hosts them by breaking bread and giving it to him. Does Jesus still host us at his table today? And then their eyes were open. Do we still get to see Jesus today? Let me be more clear and more concise. Do we still walk with Jesus? Do we still talk with Jesus? Do we still hear from Jesus? Do we still host Jesus? And do we still get hosted by Jesus? And can I add a bonus question to it? Do our hearts still burn for Jesus when we do? So as their eyes were open and they recognized Jesus, he just disappears, vanishes from their sight. And according to Luke, the two disciples turn to each other and they go, were our hearts not burning when he read scripture and talked with us? So this last week, I had my least favorite homework assignment I've ever had in my grad degree. Um, it's kind of fitting that it was my least favorite assignment this week because I graduate in two weeks, and so to end my program on a low note <laughs> kind of sounded pretty appropriate because uh, it's taken me four years, so like how much fun has it really been? Uh, but no, it's been good. Um, oh, by the way, I'll accept gifts, cards, anything. <laughs> Any form of hospitality. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, and if you're really generous, just park it outside my office. Um, and so I had my, I'm kidding, please don't. Um, I'm at, so I had this homework assignment and it was a hard assignment, but it was supposed to be really simple. Uh, my professor asked that we do a four hour silent retreat. And I don't know if you know anything about me, or have talked to my wife at all, I came out of the womb talking. Like I am just always in conversation with myself or others, a lot of the time myself. And so that was gonna be torture for me. And earlier this semester, I had taken a 40 minute retreat after a conviction from a book I was reading on solitude and I hated it. No phones, no distractions. I got angry about how bored I was. And then I got angry that I was angry. And then by the time the 40 minutes was up, I was like, well, this was pointless. And so to do this four-hour assignment, I just decided I think I'm going to skip it and take the hit on points. I'm going to graduate anyway, get my degree, I'll be fine. And then Thursday morning, I woke up and I had three scheduled meetings cancel on me, opening up a four-hour period. And I'm like, well, okay, if I'm going to do it, now's the time. So I jumped in my car, hit the timer, put my phone away, covered up the clock in my car so I wouldn't be distracted, uh, and started the silent reflection. To be honest, 
the silent reflection was interrupted two minutes in because I was like, hi, mobile order pickup for Zach at Taco Bell. Because uh, I wasn't going to do a four-hour retreat on an empty stomach. That would have been torture. <laughs> and so I said that, and I went, parked by the Kanky State River, and did nothing. I prayed, and as I went to pray, I almost prayed out loud, but I remember I can't do that. So I prayed in my head like a crazy person and just sat there. And then I read Luke 24 probably a dozen times. And then I prayed again. And then to be honest with you, I may or may not have fallen asleep in the process of it all. To which Jackie then said, well, your silent reflection was definitely broken at that time because you snore. Uh, So I was doing okay. I'll take a 95 on the assignment. I think that'll be good. So then I woke up for who knows how long I was sleeping and I get out of the car and I decide to walk and I'm praying in my head and I'm reading Luke 24 again and again and then it hits me on the side of this river. You know what? I think I've been reading this story wrong the entire time. I was reading it like a resurrection story. I mean, it's the third Sunday of Easter and I was sitting there going, you know what? This passage is a beautiful story of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago and that's it, nothing more. But as I sat there, or stood there, I should say, I think this story has a little bit more truth to it. I don't think it's just a resurrection story. I think it's a spiritual formation story. I don't think it's just a story about Jesus wanting them to know that the women were right. I think it was also a story where Jesus invites his followers into discipleship with him. And not just those followers, but us too. And so I was sitting there going on the side of that uh, river going, maybe we still get to walk with Jesus. Maybe we still get to talk with Jesus. Maybe we still get to hear from him. Maybe we still get to host him and maybe we still get to be hosted by him. And so to me, this story is not just descriptive, it's prescriptive. So I have to ask one more time, do we still walk with Jesus? Do we still talk with Jesus? Do we still hear from Jesus? Do we still host from Jesus? And do we still get hosted by Jesus? And do our hearts still burn for Jesus when we do? I'm gonna invite the band up, we're almost done. So like I said, I kinda like this story. It's forming me. It has to form me. I need it to form me. I need to walk with my resurrected Savior. So have you come to worship Jesus today? Have you walked with Jesus today? Will you walk with Jesus tomorrow? You've been listening to a podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. If you care to join us for worship, we meet each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at 200 University Avenue in Bourbonnais, Illinois. We also offer a full range of activities, classes, small group meetings, and events throughout the week. For a complete list of what's going on at College Church or for more information on how you can get involved, please go to www.collegechurch.org.